Today on episode 153 of the Computer Tutor Podcast, we're going to talk about a common misconception about cashier's checks and how Craigslist scammers try to use that misinformation to steal your money. Another episode of The Computer Tutor Tips, Tricks, and Advice from a Computer Pro without all the tech talk. And now, here is your computer tutor, Scott Johnson. Welcome back to the Computer Tutor Podcast. I am your personal computer tutor, Scott Johnson, and I'm here every Monday morning to show you how to do cool things on your computer or how to use your computer more safely, or how to avoid problems, that kind of thing. And we don't talk like geeks. Everything is explained in really easy language, no technical nonsense. And if your computer has a problem, I would like to help. I've been doing computer repair since 1999. And do you know, when I started working on computers, Google had only existed for one year. And in most cases, I can fix your computer remotely, so you don't even have to bring it into a shop. So just give me a call at 727-254-9078 or email me at pctutor at gmail.com. And of course, today's computer tip can be seen over at my website at computertutorflorida.com forward slash 153. So let's get started. I don't really know why, but one of my favorite things to read about and learn about are online scams. I just love to expose the techniques that the scammers use. And actually, in some cases, I kind of enjoy seeing how clever some of these scams actually are. Like, these guys have really thought through the process and come up with something. I think back before the internet was around, scammers had to work a lot harder. They had to actually scam people in person, face-to-face a lot of the time. And I would think that's a lot more difficult than just finding a victim online, like on Craigslist, which is what we're going to be talking about today. One of the in-person scams I heard about a long time ago, I thought it was pretty clever, and it seems like it would be almost foolproof. This scam would be played by two people working as a team, and the first person would enter a store or really any kind of retail business, like, for example, an ice cream shop. He would order something small, like an ice cream cone or a soda or something, and he would pay with a $50 bill. So he makes his purchase, he gets his change from the $50 bill, and he leaves. Then, about a half an hour later, scammer number two walks in. Now, this is his partner. He goes in the same ice cream shop, and he orders another small item, and he pays with a $20 bill. He gets his change and he starts to walk away because he wants to make sure the cash register drawer is closed and the money is all put away. Then he turns around and says, hey, wait a minute, you gave me the wrong change. I paid with a $50 bill. Now, of course, the cashier knows he paid with a $20 bill, so she insists that the change that he got is correct. But the guy just keeps saying, no, I know I gave you a $50 bill. Eventually, they call over the manager and the cashier tells the manager that the customer paid with a 20 and the scammer insists that he paid with a 50. Then comes the big trick. The scammer says to the manager, look, I know I paid with a $50 bill, and I always mark all of my large bills. Every time I have a $50 bill, I draw a green smiley face on the back. 
So just check the drawer and see if there's a $50 bill in there with a green smiley face, because that's the one I used. And, of course, when they check the drawer, sure enough, there's a $50 bill with a green smiley face. And, of course, you know, that's the 50 that was used by the first guy that went into the store a half an hour earlier. But the manager and the cashier don't know that. And at this point, it's pretty difficult to refute the scammer's argument since he has actually identified the bill that he said he used. So he gets changed for $50 instead. It's pretty clever, right? Now, that's a pretty small-time scam. I mean, for all that work, and they only net like $30 or $40, but scammers today think up scams that are just as clever, or maybe even more clever, but they can scale their work because of the Internet. So they can not only deal in much larger dollar amounts, but they can also target victims worldwide rather than just in their local city. And the one site that is by far the favorite place for scammers all over the world to find their victims is Craigslist. Just about everyone knows if you want to buy or sell something, the place to go is craigslist.org. So the scammers know that they have hundreds of thousands of potential victims that they can steal money from, and they never have to see them face to face. And In fact, they don't even have to leave home. If you think about it, one of the most valuable things to a scammer is information. He needs to know about his potential victim. So what does a scammer know about someone that posts an item for sale on Craigslist? Say, for example, there's an ad that's offering to sell a diamond ring. If a scammer sees that ad, what information does he have about the person that posted the ad? Well, first of all, he knows that the person may not be very computer savvy, so to speak. Craigslist makes it very easy to post ads, so there are lots of ads that are posted by people that just don't know computers or the internet very well. Scammers love those people because they aren't usually too suspicious about things because they just don't know what to be suspicious about. Now, Secondly, the scammer knows that the person that posted the ad wants money, obviously, since they are trying to sell something that they own. And it also goes without saying that the seller would really like to get full price for the item. You know, they might be expecting to negotiate a bit, but obviously they would prefer to get paid the full price that they listed in the ad. Finally, the scammer knows that the seller is expecting to be contacted by strangers. So there's nothing to be suspicious about there since the seller is probably getting several emails or text messages or phone calls about that item that's listed for sale. Well, the bottom line to all this is that the information works to the advantage of the scammer and they really know how to exploit it. One of the most common methods is when the scammer finds an ad on Craigslist and emails the seller to inquire about the item. Now, the scammer almost immediately commits to buying the item, and he has an elaborate story about the fact that he's currently out of the country, so he can't meet in person. Uh, A lot of the times, the scammer will even say he's in the U.S. military and stationed overseas. They know that in some cases that helps to motivate the seller to be more accommodating because, after all, you're helping someone who's serving our country. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details of how this scam works, but the bottom line is that the scammer says he will send a cashier's check for the full price. And not only that, he's going to make the check even more than the full price because he wants the seller to be able to cover the amount for shipping the item. Or he might ask the seller to take some of the extra money and send it Uh, through Western Union, of course, to someone else, like someone that they're claiming is a partner or a shipping manager or something made up like that. 
In reality, this other person is someone who's in on the scam as well. Or it could just be the scammer himself, and there is no other person. And in some cases, the scammer will make the check larger and tell the seller to just keep part of it for himself, for being willing to do the sort of unusual deal and, and send the rest on to someone else. Regardless of all the details, because the minor details can change in some of these, the bottom line is that the seller is now holding in his hands a cashier's check for more than the amount he advertised the item he wants to sell. Now think about the psychology behind this. He really wants to believe in his good luck, you know, in finding this so-called buyer who's willing to pay extra. And he's going to end up with even more money than he originally planned. In a case like this, even someone that might normally be suspicious of how unusual this is could be fooled. I mean, there's a certain amount of logic when you think, hey, yeah, this is not really the normal way of doing things, but what am I really risking? I mean, after all, this is a cashier's check. And that's where they make the critical error. Some people at that point will just deposit the cashier's check in their bank account, withdraw the money, and send it through Western Union to wherever they were instructed to send it. Other people, you know, the ones that are a little more cautious or suspicious, they'll deposit the cashier's check and then wait a few days for it to clear their account. And then they'll withdraw the extra cash and send it out to whoever. Well, this whole scam relies on the fact that people believe two things. They believe, first of all, that a cashier's check is just about as good as cash. And number two, they believe that when a check has cleared their own bank, then it's 100% good with nothing to worry about. But both of those assumptions are false. First of all, the cashier's check that the guy was holding was simply a counterfeit check. With the high quality of today's printers and the graphic software that really anyone can install on their computer, any scammer can create a check that's virtually identical to a real one. Certainly the average person wouldn't be able to spot a fake one. And when you take it into the bank to deposit it, they won't even examine it closely. They'll just take it as a deposit just like they do every other check that gets deposited. It just goes into their system. They'll definitely examine a $100 bill to see if it's counterfeit, but not a check. And secondly, just because your bank has designated the check as having cleared doesn't mean you're good to go. By law, your bank has to make those funds available to you after a certain amount of time. And usually that's just one or two business days but it might take a week or two, or sometimes even longer, for the bank's system to determine that the supposedly good cashier's check is written on a bank account that doesn't exist. That's when things start to get kind of ugly for the seller. So let's think about how this whole thing plays out. The seller has this diamond ring, and he has it advertised for $1,000, and he gets a cashier's check for $1,500. He deposits the check, he waits a few days so that all the funds are available, and then he withdraws $500 cash. He goes to Western Union and sends $300 to this other party, and he keeps the extra $200 for himself. And he uses that $200 to go and buy some new tires for his car. And he ships the diamond ring to the address he was given, which, by the way, was an actual residential street address in some other city or state. Okay, two weeks later, he gets a phone call from his bank telling him the bad news. The $1,500 cashier's check was fake, so the bank has deducted that $1,500 from his bank account. So he has lost that money that he thought he had, but he really didn't since it was a fake check. And if the bank really wanted to, they could probably report this to law enforcement 
Because how do they know that you didn't create that counterfeit check, right? So at this point, assuming the seller is not in jail, does he have a way of recovering anything? Nope. The scammer that sent him the cashier's check could be anywhere in the world, so there's no way to track him down and get money back from him. And the recipient of the $300 by Western Union could also be anywhere in the world, since you can pick up Western Union cash from anywhere, so there's no way to find him and recover anything. That cash is just gone. Now, what about the ring itself? I mean, that was actually sent to a physical address, a house. UPS has the tracking number, and they are showing that it was delivered. So even though the house is in another state, certainly the cops could still go there and ask some questions about it, you know, do an investigation, right? Well, turns out the house is vacant. Now, as you know, if a signature is not required, UPS will just leave a package on the front porch. They don't know that the house is vacant. So the box was left by the door, and someone was watching for that delivery and just went and picked it up shortly after UPS dropped it off. So now the seller has lost the cash and has no ring to try and sell again and may even be facing criminal charges for cashing a counterfeit check. And the scammer has received cash that cannot be traced to him and a ring that he can sell for a big discount since he got it for free. And get this, that scammer could be running that same scam on 5 or 10 or 20 people at the same time. Because there's a never-ending supply of victims on Craigslist. Who says crime doesn't pay? Well, that's why Craigslist posts warnings all over their site to help people avoid this huge headache. Now, these are the guidelines that Craigslist puts on their website. Do not extend payment to anyone you have not met in person. Beware of offers involving shipping. Just deal with locals that you can meet in person. Never wire funds. For example, Western Union. Anyone that asks you to wire funds is a scammer. Don't accept cashier's checks or certified checks or money orders. The banks will cash the fake check and then hold you responsible. Transactions are between users only. There's no third party that provides a guarantee. Never give out financial info like your bank account, social security number, PayPal account, etc. Do not rent or purchase sight unseen. That's because that amazing deal, quote-unquote, may not exist. And finally, refuse background checks and credit checks until you've met the landlord or an employer in person. That has to do if you're with uh, renting a home or an apartment or applying for a job. Now, the biggest one really is just this. Deal locally, face-to-face. If you follow that one, you're going to avoid 99% of scam attempts. Well, have you ever been contacted by a scammer on Craigslist? Or have you or someone you know actually been scammed and lost money? Let me know. Just leave a voicemail on my podcast voicemail line at 727-386-9468. It's available 24-7, and it's never answered by a human. Or you can email me at pctutor at gmail.com. And that will do it for this week. As always, I'll see you back here next Monday morning with another computer tip. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Computer Tutor Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to contact me with a question, a comment, or a suggestion for a future topic, you're welcome to do so at my website, computertutorflorida.com. 
And while you're there, sign up for my free Monday morning email newsletter. If you have a computer problem, give me a call at 727-254-9078. In many cases, I can take care of a problem remotely, so it doesn't matter if you're here in Florida, up in Maine, or way out in California. I'd love to help. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. God bless.